1: Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mara James, and I want to say thank you for joining us for today's conversation. During Let's Talk Wellness, we focus on healing, understanding, growth, and spirituality. This is part of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a subsidiary of the nonprofit Extraordinary Lives Foundation, who's devoted to improving children's mental health and wellness and supporting families. As the founder of these organizations, I have the great joy of collaborating with an amazing team of healers and clients, and you can find information about us at elfempowers.org, and that information will be listed below. Now, let's talk wellness today with our guest, Susan Kenny. Susan is the founder and chief do-gooder of Do-Gooder Partners and former chief advancement officer at CASA and head of fundraising at Ronald McDonald's House.
2: Welcome, Susan. Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, my gosh, it's such a pleasure. So I want to share a quick story with our friends um, about how you and I first met. It was several years ago, and uh, we were invited to National Philanthropy Day by the Orange County Register, and we were sitting next to each other. And I just felt so drawn to you, like I already knew you. And um, you have this repu- a beautiful reputation throughout the community as being like the nonprofit fundraiser, so I was definitely a little intimidated, Um, and I know I was sharing with you about Elf, though we were very new, and you were probably like, what is she talking about? What are the goals? And we've grown in um, a lot since then, so it is such an honor to have you today, um, sharing with everybody about things that you have done in your personal life and in business, how Elf and Hugs has um, helped you on your journey.
2: Yes. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yes, I am equally honored to know you and be a part of your incredible work. So thanks mm-hmm. for having me.
1: Yeah, so if you want to talk a little bit about your past, what you did as Orange County's lead fundraiser, and then how you got into and what a do-gooder is.
2: Well, I- Thank you for saying uh, that I'm uh, a good fundraiser. I, I wouldn't say lead, but I'm a good fundraiser. So many amazing people in Orange County doing amazing work. So I just, it's a, it's a great pleasure and honor to be a part of this community of amazing do-gooders. So um, yeah, I, um this year, 20 years as a professional fundraiser, uh, lots of years prior to uh, becoming a professional fundraiser. So It's um, been a big part of my life uh, to make a difference. Um, My mother was uh, very involved in our community and uh, I sort of learned from her. And um, yeah, I I realized uh, during some major moments in my life that if I was going to get up and work every single day, I needed it to matter to me. So uh, I started working as a... um, fundraiser for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. I was with them for 11 years. I worked with Ronald McDonald House uh, for, I believe, five years. I was with um, CASA. Uh, that was my last uh, full-time position as a fundraiser. And um, a little over a year ago, I, um, you know, COVID, like most people affected me pretty um, uh, drastically, dramatically, I guess, you know, um, I, um I enjoyed, well, it was not a good thing. I understand that it was somewhat of a blessing for my family. And I, that may sound a little bit strange, but I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and, um, you know, they were forced to be home with me (laughs) during the pandemic. And like, when am I going to have teenage boys wanting to spend time with their mom? And it was beautiful and it was magical. And, um, and then when things started to, you know, um, Restrictions started being lifted, and, and uh, I was working from home with them. Um, and then I started sort of analyzing or thinking about, "Gosh, I've got to go back and be at these networking events and these social events. I've got to be gone on weekends. I've got to be gone at night." And and I loved being at home. I had never been a stay-at-home mom before. And while I was working, obviously during um, COVID, I I had the pleasure of being here with them. And so it sort of was the catalyst to be like. Um, do something different so that you can be here for the boys. And um, I have met so many amazing companies, um, organizations throughout my fundraising career that are doing really good things, but they don't really know. They come and volunteer and then they they don't do anything, you know, and they're like, we don't really know, or we don't have the time. And I thought to myself, well, if you had a plan and you could follow it and a simple plan, right, let's just calendar out when you want to when you want to volunteer, or let's really dive deep to see what's important and what matters to you, and we'll find a charitable partner, a passion partner, and so that's what I decided to do and start do or partners is to help companies be able, um, do good in our communities, and so uh, working with corporate clients. But then it sort of, you know, my background and experience of being a fundraiser for so long, I realized that I really could help nonprofits as well, maybe some smaller nonprofits that. Didn't have a fundraising plan or stewardship plan. And so I've been working with some nonprofits as well. And it's been a great mixture of um, bringing all of my passions to make a difference uh, and being able to be here with the boys when they need me. Teenagers need us more than little ones. I didn't realize that.
1: Oh, it's so true. You know, a
2: lot of people, I know some.
1: you know, a few people who have four kids and they're like, oh, my last kids in high school, they don't need me anymore. And the parents are out. And that's when the kids need you the most. For 100%. Sure. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like for you personally, COVID was, um, maybe an improvement with your mental health. What would, you know, spending more time with your boys, what do you think?
2: Well, you know, Mary we've talked about this offline and obviously here to share this, but you were a catalyst, um, for this, um, awakening or journey or, or, you know, change in career because, you know, I, I, I've shared this with lots of people. I was afraid when COVID happened. I think a lot of people were, I wasn't sure exactly what this meant. Are we all getting sick? Are we like, what is happening? You know? And, and, um, you were able to introduce me to some really lovely people, um, that could help me help me kind of calm down, help me understand why I was feeling anxious. I never really thought of myself as an anxious person before I, I had never been through a world, worldwide pandemic. So, I mean, <laughs> obviously there was some things, some feelings and emotions that were bubbling up because of that, that um, I, uh, yeah, I, you introduced me to so many amazing people that opened my eyes to the way that I was working in the world. Like I always how it wasn't, wasn't and how it wasn't working mate. right? Well, the, yeah. How I was working in the world and how that, yeah, exactly. It where, it, and then when you open up your eyes and you go, Ooh, Oh, well, that wasn't working. I have always prided myself on being, Oh, the positive one, the easygoing one. Like let's yeah, sure. Whatever, whatever you want to do. Sure, sure, sure. And I realize now, um, through working with, all of some amazing healers um that that was a form of control it was me trying to control everybody to have fun or to be positive or to um look at the bright side you know all of these things that i was like what do you mean i have control issues but um Toxic positivity was something I did not even know what it meant or what it existed, but, but that's the way that I have been living my life for a really long time is, you know, everybody, what are you sad about? Don't be sad. Don't be mad. Come on. There's so much good in the world. Look what we're doing. We're changing lives. we are making a difference. And, and that's exhausting. <laughs> so exhausting. Wow. And I was able to, step back and, and think, wow, I, I just can't do that anymore. I can't, I cannot constantly be the one who is up and positive and controlling the situation. And, um, and through that, it made me a better mother because now I am realizing I can't control my boys. They're 16 and almost 18. And, um, you know, they are these grown humans. I know that sounds silly, but I, because they're 16 and 18, but but they're not, I, 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 I'm here as a counselor now, right? I'm a consultant, I'm here to support them. But I mean, long story short there with a lot of babbling is that you helped me get to a place of um, understanding of what was going on in my life um, so that I could calm down.
1: Right. And so, you know, you keep saying this word control and it's like, I just, it's such an amazing word. And I think um, for me personally, I believe for you and for many of us um, moms that are, let's just maybe say control freaks in a loving way, because we think, you know, that's just what we know. Um, And then these children are given to us that we are not in control. And the more we try to control them, the worse it is. And it it could, you know, go down a deep end. And then, you know, we spoke about that PEMD, Parental Embarrassed Mortified Disorder. And you share with me some stories. And I shared with you um, about a client I had whose child would not take a shower, and they came to an agreement together that he would jump in the pool once a week. And that was his form of cleaning. And I know everyone's like right now is like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. But when you are with a child that will never go in the shower and at least they'll go in the pool once a week, you know, you do what you can do. And luckily, you know, the parents worked with the child instead of forcing them. And I think um, I, I just remember that one story and that really helped you see like, your control issues and then releasing them has been so profound with your voice.
2: Yeah, I, um, my boys are only 17 months apart. I, um, had, um, uh, tried to get pregnant for years and I had, uh, ultimately realized that I had endometriosis. Um, and so I had to have surgery and, uh, before I could get pregnant and then doctor said, Hey, if you're, if you want more than one child, you need to do it again very quickly, um, cause it will come back. And, and so, um, my life is a blur from when they were babies, right? There was just, you know, 17 months, I still had the little toddler, you know, and then this brand new baby. And, um, I did try to control the whole situation, right? Like I'm in control. And I grew up in a a situation, I'm the youngest of three, Um, it was the traditional sort of, you know, 70s, I guess, I say this traditional because it's what I grew up with, but there was a physical um, discipline, uh, you know, livelihood, you know, going on or activities going on. And and I guess that was what everybody thought was what you were supposed to do. But I grew up saying that's not going to happen in my household. I'm not going to spank my children. I'm not going to do the things that, you know, that I grew up with. So in my mind, I was like, I am going to be the most amazing mother. They're going to know that I love them. There's never going to be an issue. (laughs) How naive that I was, right? Um, And so then my boys, um, who are magical, perfect human beings uh, in my eyes, did um, experience some developmental delays. And um, we uh, were fortunate enough to have a caregiver who brought it to our attention right away. And so, you know, we uh, were able to get them some speech therapies and occupational therapies and behavioral therapies. And, and, um, you know, when that was all kind of happening, my world came crashing down. Like I said, I was like, I'm going to, I'm changing the way that I grew up. So my kids are gonna be perfect and everything's gonna be great. And I can control how great their life's going to be because I've shifted this mindset of the way that I grew up. Not that, I, don't get me wrong. Like I am incredibly blessed the way that I grew up. My parents, I had everything. I never wanted for anything ever. Like I just, we always had what we needed. Maybe not always what I wanted but everything that I ever needed, I had. Um, so don't get me wrong in that regard, but I, I'm saying, just sort of the, you know, the discipline type of uh, environment. And so anyway, when that all happened, it came crashing down. Like, what do you mean my perfect children? uh, There's delays. What, What does this mean? Like, you know, and then you blame yourself. Like, oh my gosh, what did I do when I was pregnant? Like, did I not eat? Did I not sleep? Did I not give enough time between the two of them, you know, to get pregnant? And it was just like, everything was my fault. And I was a working mom and I didn't get time to like process anything. It was just like, go, 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 go get them to where they need to be. Um, Their dad uh, was a small business owner at the time. So he had more flexibility. And I have to be honest, like I basically just shoved my head in the sand and worked and let him deal with it. I'm embarrassed to say that because I was like, again, blaming myself and, um, but you know they were thriving in the therapy and everything uh you know uh, but but anyway again that um time of my life i started um speaking to a therapist and um i think like most people would right like you need some support and you need some help and it was traditional talk therapy and um Uh, yeah, I guess it worked. I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, we got through it and (laughs) I I'm standing here today, but I didn't realize that I still was holding on to then that control, that guilt, that anger. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, my marriage didn't make it through that whole situation. Um, and then I, raised Catholic, I was like blaming myself again for that. I thought my parents were mad at me that I didn't, you know, do what I was supposed to do with the church. Like, I mean, there was a lot going on here, man. <laughs> and so thankfully, um thankfully you showed up in my life. Like I yeah, all these different modalities, like I, you know, yoga was fun. Yoga was an exercise that was fun that I would do with my girlfriends. Um you know, going to see like a, a a medium or something like that was something that we would do with fun girls weekends, right? Like it was, it wasn't anything that was supposed to be like a, a a therapy, it was just supposed to be the sort of like fun activity that we did. And then when I met you, and you started saying, hey, these are ways to actually sort of um, support yourself and, and your family and the people around you. I was like, yeah, let's go. I mean, it can't hurt, right? So Let's give it a go. And so um because of all of that, I think I have become a better mom. I'm more patient. Uh I realize that I don't know everything. I realize that these two beautiful humans were put in my path to teach me things. Uh and yeah, I know I'm I'm going off on a complete random tangent, but no. um It has created an environment for me, for our lives to be a little more peaceful, which I think is all that we want, all of us want, right? Amen. And it's funny, I
1: grew up Jewish, you grew up Catholic, there's a lot of guilt in um, both religions. And I too, with my 24 year old who um, was diagnosed with Asperger's and ADHD at six years old, the guilt that I was holding on to, it just unbelievable.
2: Um, Yes. So- Yeah, even when once, like, you know, identified with you, and I'm certainly not saying that I am completely perfect, and I don't have control issues still, but even now where it's like, oh, I feel so guilty that I didn't figure this out sooner, like, when are we going to let go of this, like, ridiculous amount of guilt that, you know, we're working with? Um, So anyway. And it's so true. And that's why for
1: me too, I'm like, oh my God, if I knew back then what I knew now, it would have been different. But, and I believe in everything happens exactly when it was supposed to happen. I mean, even the fact that when I heard that you switched from CASA, uh, sorry, to CASA. And my heart goes out to foster kids because I always joke around. I had zero for two for parents. My parents both had their um, issues. But right when you do that, I knew we needed to meet. And that's how the universe brought us together. And that first time we had like a two or three hour call. We had a two or three hour first time meeting in person. And that's where I don't, it was not random. I think both of our moms in heaven were like, okay, these two are going to meet and start. Um, Mara's done a lot of work on her healing journey. And now we're going to start Susan. So I, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, I want to start and I also want to discuss, we'll continue this and also talking, um, sharing about like you having a say in your life where you used to be a yes person to all, and now you get to choose. So if everybody could stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James. And today we have Susan Kenny, who is the founder and chief do gooder at do gooder partners. Welcome back, Susan.
2: Thanks. It still makes me laugh. Like I <laughs> when I started my business, I'm like, well, what is my title? And I don't want to be CEO of my company. Like I wanted to do something kind of fun. My mom, when my mom was in banking her entire life. And um when she retired, she she took on like a part-time job and they gave her um When was this? It had to have been like early 2000s. They gave her a business card that said Supreme Financial Being was her job title.
1: (laughs) And I still have that card.
2: My my mom's been gone for eight years, but I still have that business card in my wallet because it makes me laugh. So when I was like, what's my title going to be? And I was like, oh, cheap do-gooder. Okay. (laughs) And it's just a positive, light, giggly
1: name, which I think is so important, right? Yeah. Um. to have. And also um. getting back to our conversation, right? So here we are talking like control issues with our children. That's a really heavy energy. And then we're like, like do-gooder. So like, let's like, I'm a do-gooder mom. Like how do we, yeah. let, let's create that and take away all the guilt and blame and shame. And what did I do? And I did this all wrong because, you know, like the biggest thing is save up for your child's therapy as well as their education, right? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I have said, I think I'm stealing this line from somebody, but I think that said that, uh, you know, when I do something that irritates them, I'm like, listen, I'm just trying to give you material for your book that you write about me later in life. (laughs) Oh,
1: that's beautiful. So (laughs) let's get back to you and I've had so many conversations, late night weekend conversations about our children being our greatest teachers. Can you share with us a little bit about how your beautiful boys have been a teacher for you?
2: Yes. Well, um, I, you know, it's interesting just for a side note here. I don't know if sometimes like you're talking to your kids and, um, something comes out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? Like, and it's really profound. And then I'm always proud of myself when that happens because, (laughs) because I have been so reactionary, like, you know, immediately the, the getting mad because you're scared. Like I identify now when I would get so angry or I'd yell or It was because I was afraid. It wasn't that I was necessarily angry, but I would be like, and then when I'd step back and think about it, it's like, oh, I was afraid they were going to get hurt or, oh, I was afraid they were going to do something that would screw up their lives or, ah, you know, that whole control thing. But I used to say to them when they were very little, it's like, guys, the only thing I know how to do is love you and feed you. The rest of it, I am winging it. I am doing the best that I can. And my number one job is to keep you safe. Like so every time, like, you know, somebody, the boys, two boys close in age, rambunctious, and I'd say, well, when they would somebody would get hurt or do something that they could get hurt, I'm like, what is my number one job? To keep us safe, you know. <laughs> so so when I started to be honest with them about that I really you know, I, all I could do was love them and feed them. I, I was doing the best that I could to keep them safe. Then they started, like, I think that released a little pressure on them. Right. And when I then started or released a little pressure on me in their eyes, maybe, I don't know, but, but when I started really sort of listening and asking questions of them, it made me know that they're teaching me something. Like, I don't have all the answers. I can't say this is the reason why you have to do this because I'm a mom, I'm your mom and I know the best for you. But if I could sit there and say, oh, what do you think about that? Or, or, Hey, I'm really sorry that I reacted that way. And how did that make you feel? And, you know, my, my little one, I I say, he's my little one, he's six foot tall with a size 12 shoe, but my little one, well, he's my biggest teacher all the time because he challenges me. And rather than getting in an argument with him, which it starts as an argument, then I have to take a step back and take a breath and go, okay, I need to hear what he has to say. Because again, all I know how to do is love him and feed him. And if he can teach me about the best way to guide him, that's going to be so magical for both of us, right?
1: Yeah, there's so many topics that are popping into my head, parenting out of fear versus faith. Um, and trust and unconditional love, but there is that fear. Am I, are they safe? Am I I enabling versus empowering them? Um, And also that some of, uh, many of our children are very old souls. And though we think we're older and we know the answer it is so the opposite. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, and they just know, and this is where like these children are so wise and so intuitive, like you can't lie to them because they know whether it's on a conscious or a subconscious level that we're lying to them. So, um yeah, just yeah. so many ideas. And then my question, so one of my big questions is, so, you know, there's that reactive as opposed to like, let me just take a breath and, you know, listen. What do you think was, uh, you know, contributed to you really to like slow down and be less reactive?
2: Calming the heck down, you mean? What was that? <laughs> well, my work with, you know, your healers with you, like the conversations, like you, um, you know, my boys are, like I said, 16 and almost 18 and, um, your kids are older and, you know, kind of gone down these similar paths and being able to find a community of moms that, um, you know, have experienced this, um, talking to, um, whether, or, 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 um, for me, going off a little top top, topic, but for me, I had been holding so much tension, anxiety, stress, trauma, whatever you want to call it in my body, that sometimes I would just find myself standing there clenching my teeth for no reason. Or I would find myself with my shoulders all the way up into like my ears for no reason. I didn't know any of that or what was going on. I'm like, and and it and I never even um thought to think about it. I didn't know that I was just clenching my body. And so when you I, you know, you and I started chatting and you were like, hey, talk to this person, talk to this person. And I, I had a, a session with um Renata, where she's this beautiful Reiki. Um, I don't think I really even understood what Reiki was. It's energy work, moving the energy through your body. Um, I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I don't really know what that means because I had been conditioned to the only way you can heal yourself is to talk about it. Traditional talk therapy, right? Throw up all over somebody, then they give you some homework and then you either do it or you don't do it. You know, you, you say to your friends, oh, I'm in therapy. So, because they're all like, you really should talk to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So then you say, I'm talking to somebody to get them off your back, but you're not even really doing any good other than talking to somebody and spending a whole bunch of money. But what I'm trying to say is that your introduction to all of these different modalities got me to relax and and relax mentally, but physically Mm. I was like, okay, I'm not breathing right now. Why am I not breathing right now? I'm clenching my teeth. Why am I clenching my teeth right now? You know, I went to yoga and I'm in Shavasana and I'm lying there and you're supposed to be, you know, this is the part where you're the most relaxed, right? Well, the yoga teacher came up and literally pushed my shoulders away from my ears. And I didn't even know that they were up here. Here I'm lying on the ground, supposed to be relaxed. And she literally pushed them down. And I was, it made me start thinking bigger. This isn't all right up in here. It's everywhere. So when I started relaxing, it created a more relaxable environment for the boys in our home. Right. Don't get me wrong. I am sitting here saying all this, I have worlds of more to do like loads more work to do, but, but working with a different, thinking about it differently, your mental health Chuck says it's so great. Mental health is health, like your overall health. So, we all think that we got to fix it up here, which is you do, but you got to fix it everywhere. I'm now I'm just repeating myself, but, but yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you heal the
1: heart, your brain chemistry changes, but what I've learned also, there's like the the energy stuff. Um, I didn't even know for me living a life. um, I had constant PTSD didn't even know it. I had childhood trauma that I didn't even realize. And we all have traumatic experiences when we're younger. Some are much worse than others. And when we're walking around with all this tension, anxiety, that's the only way we know how to be. And then these beautiful children that are empathic and they feel it from us. And then they start, you know, getting diagnosed, ADD, ADHD, and all these other things. Cause- you know, they're feeling all of our energy. It's so powerful to, um, yeah, to really go on all different levels, right? There's the emotional, physical, cellular and spiritual levels and working on all of those. um, It's just, yeah, it's an amazing, and you know what, you have to give yourself credit. You've done, look at who you are now versus
2: who you were 10 years ago, night and day. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is that, you know, so many people have said to me, well, look how far you've come and look at everything that you've done. And, you know, I just thought that I was just living my life, trying to be kind, you know, and trying to do right by my family and and my community. And it was always everybody else first. The people pleasing was put in me on me, whatever it is from Mm. early childhood. Mm. Um, I am the third uh child. Um, and again, don't get me wrong, my life beautiful this lovely life, but it, w- it was a joke in our family that I was the mistake, you know, that I um, you know, they had their boy, they had their girl, and then I was the mistake and And regardless, again, I, and I was the baby, so I apparently got away with more than they did. I say that I learned from their mistakes and and that's why I got away with it. But, but, you know, having that knowledge now that I know that as an adult, it was just a joke, like at the time, right? Like that everybody said that, but words matter, you know, to kids. And so, um, when I started talking about that again with all these beautiful holistic healers and different modalities, it was like, wow, that is really not very cool that you knew that or that your family joked around about that. And so I think that deep down with somebody saying that to me, I felt like I've got to fight to, to, to show that I belong here Mm. and that people pleasing thing I think I've identified it from being that joke that I've always known. That it was like, oh no, I'm gonna be the coolest kid, the easiest kid, the funnest kid, the the people pleaser, the easy, you know, my like, like, oh yeah, sure, mom, dad, whatever you want to do. Oh, sure, my older siblings, whatever you guys wanna do. I never allowed myself to want. I never allowed myself to have my needs met. Um, because I think. I was fighting to prove that I was supposed to be here or that I belonged. Right. And so, um, the people pleasing part of it, um, being a, a working mom, I did it with the boys, you know, I, I can't go anywhere on the weekends. I can't, um, we didn't have family close by, so we didn't really have a babysitter or anything like that. So like their dad would go out with our friends and I'd stay home with the boys. So then I'd go out and he'd stay home with the boys. Like, but there wasn't, or I wouldn't go out because I was guilty. I'm a working mom. I have these two beautiful boys. that I need to stay home with them. And it was people pleasing. Oh, yeah, you go. I'll stay home. And if I'm not healthy, I realize now me being healthy, me being centered, me saying no, or me identifying that doesn't work for me or that's not my want, it makes life so much easier for everybody
1: you know, because it makes you happier. And um, it's so beautiful that like, you know, like you get to reparent little Susan and now she's, you know, it's like making her happy. Right. Because it was always going outward and now doing it inward. And that is so profound.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's been some times where little Susan's gotten a big, huge hug from me and it's magical. (laughs)
1: Do you know how many times little Mara and I go to the beach, you know, imaginary uh, five years old in the sand when she's feeling all alone and crazy stuff is going at home and I got to reparent her? It's yeah, yeah, it's profound, but it really does have a direct impact on our happiness. And then everyone, all of our friends and family, you know, especially the children really see it. It helps us be better person, better parent.
2: Yeah, it happens to me mostly in yoga when I'm lying there. And uh, after a beautiful, you know, uh, practice that I'll say, look at us, little Susan, <laughs> look at us on a Tuesday at nine 30 in the morning, you know, taking care of ourselves and, you know, you do belong, you know, so oh, that's, that's boy, so just got beautiful. a little emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah it,
1: nope. It's good. In good, good tears, good emotions. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'd love to speak to your boy, not really, but, you know, speaking to your boys and seeing how they have seen the transformation, you know over
2: the past few years. Well, they're teenagers, so I don't know if they but I mean I'm still parenting. Don't get me wrong. I'm still parenting. They're still like, okay, where where are you? Do I need to come pick you up? Like all of that.
1: And in a couple more years you're gonna help send them with your with their wings and pray a lot.
2: (laughs) I was just having a conversation with my dad this morning and I, I said how My dad was a police officer, Um, you know, and he uh, there was like no trust. The guy just didn't trust anybody. Right. I mean, but that's just nature of the job, I guess. You know, Um, so I said to him, were you freaked out? Like when we would leave on the weekend nights, you know, and go out and like, how did you get through it? Like I wasn't as close to my dad as I I was to my mom. And so I really missed the opportunity to talk to her about these things. Um, So I'm trying to do it with him, which is a big, big step. For me. Um, um, but he said, you know, I, I just knew that I, which was so profound coming from him. This can I think lot, maybe some of those control issues came from him as well, but he said, I just had to know that I raised good kids with good values and, um, trust that they were smart enough to make good decisions. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Cause <laughs> well, I grew up thinking, God, if I break the rules, I'm going to get the belt when I get home, you know? So it was, sort of a different, it was interesting to hear him say it that way, but.
1: Right. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. 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 So what advice would you give to yourself? um, Would you say like 15 years ago, you have young children at home. What would you have said to um, that Susan 15 years ago?
2: Trust that everything is going to be okay because you can only control yourself. You cannot control anyone but yourself. So, take a breath, knock it off, and go walk on the beach. Go stick your feet in the mud <laughs> right. And I love that. it's
1: it sounds so easy. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, growing up in New York with a neurotic New York Jewish mother becoming one, I like there was there was pure fear, no trust, no faith. Um. Yeah, and that definitely uh, probably gave all three of my kids some form of ADD ADHD. But um, yeah, I think that's like one of the 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 goals of this world is to try to live more in trust and faith versus fear and anxiety. Um, it's definitely a journey to get there, <laughs> day by day. I always say when it comes to children, spirituality and God disappear to me. It's like you know. And it's bringing it back. I remember once there was a time with my son and you know, suicidal ideation, yada, yada. And I went outside in the back to do deep belly breathing. And then a monarch butterfly came. And to me, it was a sign from my mom that it's all good. Everything happened for a reason. He's going to start therapy. And um, but yeah, that was just, you know, I could have gone <laughs> down the uh, spiral downwards. But that is great advice. Trust. Susan, it has been so amazing speaking with you today. What is the best way for people to get in uh, in touch with you? If they're inspired
2: by you, if they want to become a do-gooder? <laughs> well, I believe everybody's a do-gooder, so they don't need to become one. They just need to uh, activate it, right? Um, so before I give all that information, I do want to say that um, having this um, experience of being in the nonprofit world here um, for 20 years, uh, I have met some incredible people and worked for incredible organizations, but also partnered and collaborated and, and helped to raise awareness for a lot of really amazing organizations. And I am grateful to be able to support Extraordinary Lives Foundation. Um, you guys are doing incredible work on behalf of kids, and then really their parents that will ultimately help the kids. So, thank you for letting me be a part of that. And um, I, um, I'm just continuously trying to learn about other organizations so that I can promote it through do-gooders. I um, try to create, or I don't try to, every month I find a nonprofit organization um, and organize a a volunteer uh, opportunity. And then I bring either existing clients or, you know, potential clients or just friends to go and do something um, to show them how incredibly simple it is to go and volunteer in their community, bring their team. It's a team builder. Um, and then just feel really great afterward. And so um, once a month, I do that. So uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn um, my, uh, or you can go to my website. My website is do Uh You can email me at susan at do and let me know if you're interested in joining us. Um, this last month we did council on aging, and I learned so much um, of the amazing work they're doing. We volunteered with Bracken's Kitchen, and they are they are doing amazing things. We volunteered with Orangewood Foundation, um, and so anyway, I, these are the things that I am trying to do once a month, um, just again to get people to to activate their do gooder gene, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I I just want to keep. Uh, you know, making the world a better place for myself and for my boys and for, you know, everyone. That's what and we need de- right now. Really, definitely are. So. A collective universal hug around the whole world.
1: <laughs> and hugs, like hugs for life healing center, exactly. Virtual exactly. Virtual hugs. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and we'll list all your information, um, your contact information, and the show information. So, mm-hmm. Susan, and everybody watching and listening, don't forget that you are amazing.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfandpowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.